funny you mentioned groceries. That's one of the biggest logistical headaches that we have. There's so much that gets easier about life whenever you go tiny. But then with the addition of floating, that's one of the few things that's gotten really difficult is getting groceries. Welcome to the Tiny House Lifestyle Podcast, the show where you learn how to plan, build, and live the tiny lifestyle. I'm your host, Ethan Walden, and this is episode 231 with Sarah and Brandon. This has got to be one of the most unique tiny houses and most unique tiny house living situations that I've ever seen. And Sarah and Brandon are gracious and open guests who really share the why and the how of, of how they're living. And I'll just give you a little preview. They live in a 225 square foot tiny home on floats in the middle of a lake in North Carolina. They are fully off grid. They have no cell phone service. Everything is accessed by boat. And it just seems like the most beautiful and peaceful lifestyle that I've seen in a long time. I ask them all the questions like, what are the legalities of living like this? What are the costs? And you will be shocked at how low the costs are. What happens when a storm hits? What happens to the gray water? Everything. It's a really unique conversation, and I truly hope that you give it a listen because Sarah and Brandon are just wonderful guests. All right, let's do it. Tiny House Considerations is back. If you're getting serious about tiny house living, then I'd like to invite you to join me and my co-teacher, Lina Menard, in an eight-week online course where you will delve into planning your tiny house from the trailer or foundation all the way up to the roof and everything in between with a small group of students and me and Lena as your guide. This is the most comprehensive training that I offer for planning and building a tiny house, and students are really loving it. You can learn more about tiny house considerations at thetinyhouse.net slash THC. Again, that's thetinyhouse.net slash THC, which stands for Tiny House Considerations. Class starts on October 5th, and we meet every Thursday for eight weeks. By the end of the course, you will have filled out your Tiny House Decisions Workbook, picked your appliances, developed a budget, and potentially even started laying out your tiny house. You can learn more at thetinyhouse.net slash THC. To learn more and join us for the fall 2022 edition of Tiny House Considerations. Hope to see you in class. Right, I am here with Sarah and Brandon. Sarah and Brandon are a North Carolina-based couple living with their dog, Ico, in an off-grid floating cabin on Lake Fontana. They bought and fully renovated their 225-square-foot tiny home on floats about a year and a half ago and have been living on it full-time ever since. They created a YouTube channel, Keeping Afloat with the Joneses, to document their renovations and unique lifestyle on the water. Sarah and Brandon, welcome to the show. Hey, Ethan, thanks so much for having us. We're happy to be here. Yeah, thanks a lot, man. We are happy to be here. Yeah, really excited to have you. As as I was saying while we were chatting before the show, I've just I've been watching your YouTube channel and just kind of eating it up. The the, the lifestyle, the house, like everything is just so so unique and so cool. But um I figured we would just start since since it is a podcast and people, you know, aren't necessarily gonna be able to like stop and see pictures. 
can you just kind of describe your house a little bit? Like, you know, what it looks like, the layout, and then like kind of how it's situated. Yeah, sure. So like you mentioned in our little intro there, it's a 225 square foot interior build. It's more or less a rectangle and we kind of have it set up very open concept. So Mm -hmm. we don't actually have any doors inside. It's all uh, pretty continuous with a couple sort of dividing walls between the bedroom area and the bathroom area. But we do most of our living in a general kind of living room slash kitchenette slash breakfast nook room. And then we're back behind that is our little bed nook area. And then back behind that is the bathroom. And then on either side of the house, we have some rectangular docks that total about 500 square feet as well. And then a little small covered porch in front of the main house structure. So if you can kind of picture that. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, totally. And I mean, the thing that's that I find incredibly striking about it, especially like when you're not expecting it, is that it's it's essentially floating in the water and it looks like it's connected to the land just by like two ropes. They're just like very prominently there, kind of reaching out onto the land. Yeah, that's exactly right. I think Brandon could probably do a better job than me explaining the kind of anchoring situation. The house itself, it's anchored just like any boat that would be on a mooring. Mm-hmm. And we are tied to the banks in the back of the house. And we adjust the boat forward and backwards. Our lake drops 65 feet a year. So it's a it's a constant battle with the up and down. Mm-hmm. But mainly the way, the difference in this tiny home, uh, luckily enough, we're on water. We focus most of our square footage is outdoor space. And our living space is half of what our outdoor space is. Yeah, you have two really expansive decks on either side of the house, and it looks like you really, I'm guessing you do a lot of out, outdoor living, weather allowing. Yes. Yeah, I think the the first tiny home, if you want to call it, I lived in was a 26-foot sailboat for mm-hmm. about three years, and everybody asked, how do you live in there? And I would always look at them and laugh and say, I actually sleep in here. I live out here in these woods. Yeah. So that's that's kind of like what we're doing with this tiny home. It's just it's a lot nicer than a small sailboat. <laughs> totally. Um, well, I want to get like all. I'm, I have a bunch of questions about all the various systems in the house, but I was curious first to just hear about you know how you ended up in a in a floating house or a, or a flouse as you call it uh, on your YouTube channel, which I, I like. Yeah, gosh, there's so many names for a house or houseboat, flouse, floating cabin. That's a great question. I mean, like Brennan mentioned, he's lived on boats before. I had not. I've never I've never really had much experience at all with boats, never owned a boat, never lived on a boat, anything like that. Always wanted to. Always enjoyed, you know, hanging out with my friends on the lake. And mm-hmm. we met at the marina that Brandon works at. I work for the National Park Service and we have some boats there that we use for work. And so we met at the marina and naturally whenever we got to talking and wound up kind of deciding to hang out. We were mostly hanging out on the lake. Mm -hmm. So that was pretty much our stomping grounds and our, our favorite place to be as it was. And Brandon was living not too far up the road on a, on a house on land. And he heard wind of an opportunity to buy a floating cabin that was in the Harbor. And 
just jumped on it. And we had been dating about a year at that point. And I think a lot of folks were like, Sarah, are you crazy? (laughs) Most people kind of expected it out of Brandon. But for me, that was definitely a big, a big leap. But I didn't think twice about it because between the fact that we were always spending all our time on the lake and the fact that we were both, we're, we're just both minimalists at heart and, you know, constantly trying to downsize as it was, it just made a lot of sense for us to go tiny and to do it in a way that allowed us to spend more time on the water. Yeah, definitely. So I've, as she was saying, I've lived on boats my whole life, but they were always sailboats and sailed across the ocean lived on lakes on boats and loved it but the whole idea of a floating house takes your house to the lake or the water wherever you're at so you're getting the whole idea that you're living in a tiny home but you're you're on the water floating so it's kind of the best of both worlds we really love it it's like being in a tiny home but we're also sitting right there floating on the water yeah fantastic so so this 60 foot drop, um, so you're constantly having to either lengthen or shorten those lines that go to land. Otherwise, I'm guessing the house would either float too far out or it would it would end up getting pulled up onto the shore. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, as the lake drops 60 feet, the banks come out further towards your house and you just keep going out for the middle of the lake. Mm-hmm. It's pretty much memorial day to labor day we're at full pool after labor day the lake starts dropping and when it drops it takes it about two and a half months to drop that far Mm -hmm. so it's you know a downhill battle going down which is simple it's just pull it out yeah it's when we get the we're in a temperate rainforest so it could come up 40 feet in two days or it could come up a, a foot every day or two so when we get into springtime is when we really get in the battle of keeping everything perfect yeah. So is there an anchor as well? There's no current. Yeah, there is. Oh, I didn't hear what you said. Sorry. That's okay. I was just asking, like, so you got the two lines to shore and then there's an anchor as well, right? Yeah, I set 10,000 pound blocks because we're in 300 wow. feet of water. So to oh, properly wow. anchor in 300 foot of water, a seven to one scope, you're at 2,100 feet of line. That's impossible. So what mm. we do is we drop, I take 10,000 pound concrete blocks and drop them down in about 200 foot of water and hook stainless steel cable to them. And it's, mm. it's, a, it's a pretty foolproof way not to go anywhere. <laughs> now that anchor's not going to drag anywhere. No. <laughs> no, you'd much sooner break the cable than you would drag the anchor. Yeah. Are there storms? Like, what's it like when you get a, a really windy storm uh, and the lake has waves on it, or does the lake get waves on it? Yeah, we get that question a lot, actually. We definitely get storms, and like Brandon was saying, we're in a temperate rainforest, so we get quite a lot of rain, and generally when it's raining, it's more of a thunderstorm than just like a shower, so mm-hmm. we get storms a lot, and especially in the winter, the wind tends to be incessant. I mean, it's yeah. very steady, 20 to 30 mile an hour winds with you know, wow. bigger wind gusts up to like 50 or 55. So wow. it can definitely get choppy out there. But I will say that being on a an actual like house that has a flat foundation instead of a boat, which might have like a V-hole, we 
we're a lot more stable. We don't rock as much. We kind of move around side to side as much as our back lines will allow us to, but we don't, you know, rock back and forth as much as you would on, for instance, a sailboat or something like that. It's really not too bad. For us, the, the, we, since we've been on that water for a year and a half, we've seen three water spouts come through. We've seen 70-mile-an-hour winds sustained for 15 to 20 minutes. Wow. We've seen some pretty good storms there compared to coming off the ocean. At least when you're on the ocean, you know they're coming. They're usually fronts coming in from out west. you got four or five days to prepare. Ours are always mm-hmm. just pop up, bam, there they are, and then they go. We just had one two weeks ago that took out all the power lines at the resort we're at. They were out of power for almost four days. We see some pretty wild storms. And our bigger boats, wow. when I anchor them in the harbor, they actually break those stainless cables in half. Wow. Uh, a lot of the bigger houseboats. Wow. But yeah, we, we get storms, waves, all of it. What What are the legalities? Like what laws are governing like a houseboat? Well, you still, you fall into DNR. You still have to have it registered as a vessel. You can't really find an insurance company to insure you because here it's not a boat and it's not a house. It's a floating Mm -hmm. house. So they'll insure a manufactured boat, but no one will insure these things. Mm -hmm. You're bound by law with TVA because it's a TVA lake. So you're under their rule of all septic Mm -hmm. has to go into a tank and be pumped. Uh, you can't have any more styrofoam under these boats helping float them. It has to be encapsulated foam. The electrical has to be ran right if you have electricity from shore, which we don't we don't have that. We live off solar power. But you still you still got laws governing you. It's it's not the Wild West, but it's not that bad to deal with. No. Do you have to pay rent? Oh yeah. We our rent cost us about eighteen hundred dollars a year. It's pretty tough. We pay it. (laughs) (laughs) It's not too bad. And is that essentially like a mooring fee? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Mooring fee, and it provides you with a dinghy dock to get your boat from that boat to your houseboat. Mm -hmm. And since I've been at the marina, I wrote a. Uh, grant with the North Carolina Wildlife. So when we pump sewage, the government actually helps pay for it instead of the customer paying. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of an incentive to keep the lake clean. So our sewage only cost us $5 a week. Normally, it would have cost us anywhere from $50 to $90 a week. So Mm -hmm. that's a lot less of a bill there. But yeah, the rent, $1,800 a year. The first of the year, we save up all year. And we just pay that big <laughs> that big rent, yeah. and we go with it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, how far is it? You because you mentioned the marina, and I'm assuming that's kind of where you get in and out of the water. How far right. is it from your house back to the marina? It's really not far. It's it's probably only like a quarter mile top, but the whole way, of course, is a no wake zone because of all the yeah. houses and the boats. So. You know, if you were just wide open going there, it wouldn't take but 45 seconds, but it, it takes about five minutes to get there if you're driving respectfully. Okay. And so any any time you go to land, like to go grocery shopping or to get supplies or anything, you're jumping in the dinghy and you're you're kind of motoring over to the marina and getting out from there. Yeah, that's exactly right. And our, our cars are parked there on the ramp at the marina. Mm-hmm. So 
grocery it's funny you mentioned groceries that's one of the biggest logistical headaches that we have that's one of those things you know where there's so much that gets easier about life whenever you take a lot of the complicated things out of it and go tiny but then mm-hmm. with the addition of floating that's one of the few things that's gotten really difficult is getting groceries because a lot of times we'll we'll go get the groceries unload them from the car into a golf cart at the marina go from the golf cart to the boat then from the boat to the house so it's it's a lot more involved than <laughs> just unloading them straight out of your car into your house you got to be a little more strategic about not buying like the costco sized uh toilet paper <laughs> oh and if it's <laughs> raining just forget about it what a headache right no wet no wet groceries oh yeah <laughs> so um you mentioned sewage is so um I was kind of thinking before the interview I was like what a great application for you know compost toilets if you if you care to use that that way you don't have like tanks to pump out that are full of you know black water but what what happens what kind of toilet does the house have cuz you know this is a tiny house show so everyone has to know about the toilet of course and then also you know what about what about the gray water and like what's can you walk me through the process for how you you deal with those things so the the toilet we own would be a macerating toilet that's a uh, for a vessel okay and it grinds it all up and it goes into a holding mm-hmm. tank same with the gray water which we use water saving uh shower heads water saving sink that yep. way we're not piling up a bunch of gray water in our holding tank the compost and toilets are great i had one of those when i lived on the ocean Probably one of the best mm-hmm. things I ever owned. Only issue that I had with a compost and toilet was you always have to get rid of your number one. Yep. Because it doesn't it doesn't do anything with it. They make a bunch of great compost and toilets where it it you can exchange a one gallon water jug and then you can yep. take that and pour it in your how your toilet that yeah your garden whatever. Worst problem I found with those was the smell. Not from the number two, but from the number one, the smell of the vinegar. Yeah. And if you just add sugar packets to it, it kills that odor. Huh. Best thing I've ever found in my life. But yeah, I think the composting toilet is 100% the best thing I ever own. For our application where we are, we just throw, it all goes in a holding tank and we pump it out. Um, every, okay. Everything goes through a plant. So does the, for the pump out, do, do you bring the house to the pump out station or does the, does a pump out like boat come to you to pump it out? It's a, it's a vessel that comes to us. We, uh, we, okay. we get pumped out in our Harbor. They have to pump out on all the, all the lakes. Do it. Okay. If we could drive the house, we would drive it over there, but we don't, it doesn't have a motor. <laughs> Okay. Okay. <laughs> it doesn't look too uh, aerodynamic or, or hydrodynamic. Yep. No, it's definitely meant to stay put. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, in terms of like your spot, like, cause I'm, I'm thinking about like, you know, buying a little house on a piece of property and you own that piece of land is the location that you have the boat m- or the house moored. Is that like, yours in some way other than just by the fact that that's where you are no the only thing that you own is the permit for the floating house 
the marina operator okay. has to allow you in his harbor. You have to be in a harbor with these floating houses. And at any point in time, the operator could tell you, hey, I don't want to have these in here. Now, granted, everybody gets equal treatment. Everyone would have to leave. And you'd have to go down the lake to a different marina. Mm -hmm. Nobody really has an issue here where the marina operators don't want them there. So as of right now, we do not own anything but the permit for the house itself to be on the lake. We don't own the spot. We lease the spot. Does the lake ever freeze? No, it doesn't. It's at its deepest point. It's almost 500 feet. Okay. And it doesn't get cold enough to, to freeze okay. that much water. Sometimes it'll get, you know, a little icy around the edges, but definitely won't freeze over. Okay. I actually live very close to Lake Champlain in Vermont, and um, okay. it definitely does. Not every winter, but it, it definitely does freeze. It's a pretty cool thing when it happens. Wow. It's a big lake. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, a lot chillier up there. <laughs> we don't have any shallow spots. It literally, okay. 10 feet off the bank, you're in 50 feet of water because it's a straight wow. down yeah. mountain reservoir, you know, so... For our lake to start freezing, it doesn't have a lot of places for the water to start freezing in shallow areas and work its way out. It's mm. it's deep, deep melt. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Must be pretty cold. It gets cold in the winter. Yeah. You, you would not want to go swimming in the winter, that's for sure. <laughs> Does it warm up in the summer, though? Like the water? Yeah, it gets to about 85 in the summer. Pretty oh, wow. comfortable. Nice. And Brandon, what would you say it gets to in the winter? 50s or so? Yeah, the worst is high 40s in the winter and um, mid mid 80s during the summertime. So we get the best of both worlds. Yeah. We get the really cold, great fishing water. I love my fish coming out of cold water, better taste, everything. Yep. Then we get the full-blown 85-degree bathtub, swim and play on the lake all day water also. So we're right in the middle of the curve, I guess. That's pretty fantastic. Um, so I think you mentioned in one of your videos that you that you bought the house sight unseen and that you had to do quite a bit of renovation. Can you can you talk a little bit about that that story? Yeah, Brandon, you go ahead on that one. <laughs> All right. So when you get lucky enough to buy a floating house on this lake, it is a ten second sale. You most people spend their whole life trying to buy one of these, and so you buy it. You don't ask a question. Anything. And we mm. knew when we bought it that we were going to have to do some work. And then we opened the door. And right then, we both looked at each other and I said, this is a complete tear apart. Like, there is not one thing in here we can save. So we spent... Not one not thing. Not one thing. We spent three months. Ooh. We are off on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And every Friday, Saturday, Sunday for three months, we went over there and just worked and worked and worked and from daylight till dark and when you work on a boat like that everything that you want to bring out there has to be boated everything you tear apart has to be boated out we live 45 minutes from any kind of hardware store an hour and a half to oh a gosh. walmart a lowe's is about a three hour round trip so you Oof. make a list and you make sure when you leave you got everything you need but <laughs> We did it. We fought it. We won the battle, and then the battle beat us. And then at the very end, we saw the light, and now we just sit back and laugh <laughs> about it. But it was oh yeah, it was it was such a journey, especially like 
Brandon's very handy, but I'm really not. <laughs> I've, I've learned a lot. I'm sure you learned a lot, though. Absolutely. Yeah, it was such a great experience because there's so much stuff in your daily life. Like when you flush the toilet, where does that go and what makes that work when you turn the light on? What is it that makes the light turn on? Like all of those things that I don't take for granted anymore because we actually had to wire, plumb, and build them all in. And anyways, it was definitely a growing process, frustrating at times, but so rewarding just to finally see it come to life once we, you know, once we finally put the the, um, flooring in and had the windows framed and it started to look like a house instead of just a giant demolition area. Yeah. It got really exciting after that. So. Yeah. Or when my mother showed up and went through eight tubes of caulking and fixed it all <laughs> for us. <laughs> oh, she she nice. was such a big help. <laughs> Mom's mom saves the uh, day. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, my mom helped me restain the siding on my tiny house. She was awesome. <laughs> yep. Oh yeah. Very clutch. Um so you mentioned, Brandon, that that it was like people are trying their whole lives to buy one of these. Is that because there's just like a limited number that they allow? So like you can't add any yeah, new ones? Yeah, so they're, they're grandfathered in on the lake. And you okay. cannot actually build a new one unless you take an old one and you tear it off the lake and then build back a replica of it. And they will allow you to modify height and a couple of other things. But they're, what wow. you see is what you get. I've actually got a guy that I build them with and we sell them but they're a lot bigger than what we live on. We, we like the small, tiny mm-hmm. home idea. But yeah, just to get one is hard enough. And then to be able to take it, remodel yeah. it, and do all the work, it's a whole nother ball game out here because we're so remote in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park. There's not a, anybody that can help you. There's not a lot of people to talk to about it. And anywhere you need to buy stuff is an hour and a half away. Wow. Yeah, that's a good point to bring up about how when you rebuild, there's a lot of parameters that you still have to abide by in terms of mm. what you're allowed to do and not allowed to do based on what the original structure was. Because okay. ideally, there's some things that we probably would have done differently if we were to just do it the way we wanted to. Like it would have been great yeah. to have a loft and have, you know, an extra little bedroom up there when we have friends and family over. But we weren't able to do that because we couldn't increase the height of the structure. Right. that much so we still we love the finished product but there's definitely some parameters that kind of held us back in certain ways that we had to work with um i'm guessing since it's technically a boat you don't have to pay real estate taxes right no we pay a small property tax just like owning a vessel okay and um ours comes out because our our house is actually a 1975 home-built boat that's only 28 feet long. It's like a hundred and something dollars a year for taxes oh my because gosh. of the way that they're 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 in a fine line. Like I was saying about insurance, nobody will insure it because it's not a boat, it's not a house. It's a home-built cabin. It's wow. never really had somebody in this state actually say what they are. Interesting define it on paper is do you know of anywhere else where like you can still kind of like do this and say like i'm gonna build a floating house on this lake and and you can still like add a new one i don't know for sure i know tva has 2000 over 2000 in their inventory on seven lakes 
and they've they've mm-hmm. got it locked down now in before yeah. 2016 all these were going to be pulled off the waterways there was an act called the sunset act okay and it was mandatory mm-hmm. they had 30 years they were all gone and luckily obama signed a thing called the win act and that was december 16 mm-hmm. 2016 and when he signed that into effect it allowed all of us floating homes to stay on all the waterways. Granted, you came up to a certain code on them so that they weren't crashing everything. Got it. So at one point, they were all gone, and now they're here to stay. Now somebody else can come in and say, oh, they've got to go, but you're going to have a 30-year window, mm-hmm. and hopefully the next guy will come in and say, wait, let's keep them. So. Yeah. <laughs> 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 hopefully, hopefully. It seems like a pretty cool yes. thing. Oh, it's wonderful. How how has your lifestyle changed since since moving into the water? And and you feel free to answer that like as broadly or specifically as you want. I'm guessing like your your costs of, of living have gone down quite a we bit. Do um, not, yeah. We went from wondering how we were gonna stay together because we argued so well mm-hmm. to we literally laughed about it. We're like, you know, we really don't ever even argue anymore. It's so funny because I guess because we have such a simplistic lifestyle now, there's all the mm-hmm. other stuff gone. But we were joking about it today, weren't we? We were. Yeah, I think that has a lot to do with tiny home living in general. Just, you know, whenever you have conflict and, and things like that, you know, you have to handle it. Where are you going to go? And especially, especially when you're floating, <laughs> you can't, you really, I mean. I guess you could boat away somewhere, but anyway, swim, we, swim to shore. Right. Yeah. Well, we've, uh, we've just had a lot of fun and, and really found our groove since we've started living out on the lake, nice. both, both because it's a tiny living situation and because of the peacefulness that's surrounding us, I think. And I yeah. feel like, you know, our bodies have a certain level of, of rest your nervous system does and i didn't realize that i just really wasn't truly resting before because i feel like i have a whole new level of you know baseline on my nervous system now even just when i look at things like my resting heart rate and you know my my stress levels numerically are so much lower because mm-hmm. i think because of the the scenery that surrounds us no doubt but also because of the very simplistic lifestyle and the very like close-knit kind of connection that we have with the water and the mountains around us in a very like tangible way it's just so great it's you know even things like washing the dishes you're looking at the window and you're seeing this this picture out of a postcard and i just feel so grateful and yeah and happy even in the most mundane of things so it is quite a beautiful setting yeah it brings you to the point where you're living cheap, very, very cheap to save money, to be able to go places and do all kinds of stuff. And at the end of the day, you're at the place you want to go and do the stuff. Yeah. And we leave like once a month. That way we can remember where we came from. You can climb the highest mountain every day, but it'll get old to you. So you got to go away to remember what you have. What I always try to say. Yep. But yeah, we live it. Yeah. We live on vacation. So we saved all the money, but we go home to have our vacation. I guess you would say. (laughs) 
Yeah, every time we go anywhere else, we always just find ourselves being like, oh, I can't wait to go back home. Can't wait to get home. <laughs> did yeah. you change your careers at all? I did. I, I did. The tiny home wasn't really a career changer for me. Uh-huh. But coming here to this area was the start of my career change. I spent 16 years okay. in nuclear power and chemical weapons and worked all over the world. And the stress of wow. it got so much. I said, I'm going back to Fontana Lake. I'm going to go back out there where the telephones don't work. There's no TV. There's no outside <laughs> anything. And then slowly, I just crept and crept and crept into the best spot I could have been in. But definitely mm-hmm. career change to come back out here for myself. But as far as whenever we moved on to the house specifically, we both had the same jobs that we had okay. before that point. Yeah. I have a light, slightly longer commute than I used yeah. to, but okay. Brandon's got it made on the other end. He's got a two minute, two minute. Well, he boat works ride at the marina. The marina, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yep, amazing I swim to work. I swim home. <laughs> my commute's about an hour to the to my duty station in the national park. So okay, and that most of that is driving. Right. Yeah. Just five yeah. minutes of boating or so yeah. and then driving. Yeah. And w- we do work on the lake, like I mentioned, with the Park Service having boats. So we are on the lake on occasion. And on the days that mm-hmm. we're on the lake, I'm able to meet my crew here, which is yeah. really helpful and saves a lot of gas. But the majority of the time, I've got about an hour commute. Yeah. So is there no connectivity at your house? Like no Wi-Fi, no cell reception, anything? You can put the phone in the window. Or we've found, you know, if you put it in a bowl for some reason, <laughs> you can get a bar to, you know, to, to get wow. texts or calls out in an emergency. But wow. no, we don't have Wi-Fi. We've, we have a long, uh, long story, long history with this whole Starlink thing. We're working on that, but don't have okay. Starlink yet. Okay. Um, but we've been on the list since February, 2021 for the residential. And we will see if that ever arrives to us. (laughs) We're thinking of biting the bullet and just going ahead and getting the RV. But for now, no, no Wi-Fi. Okay. Okay. But there is Wi-Fi at the Marina. So if we went, for instance, when I'm working on the YouTube videos, that's usually where I'm going to upload them. Yeah. And most importantly, how has eco, uh, adjusted to life on the water? Iko, yeah, she loves Ico, it. Sorry. Oh my gosh. Oh, Some reason I want to say Iko, but Iko, sorry. <laughs> she loves it, yeah. For those who, who might not have seen our videos or anything, she's she's about a ninety-five pound Akita. She's super fluffy. Um, definitely a wintertime dog. So the summertime can be a little bit tough on her, but then the wintertime's a little bit tough on us. So it's a it's a give and take there. But she absolutely loves it. She's just a total boat dog at heart. She will be so upset and just whine and cry if you don't take her on the boat with you Aww. anywhere you're going. Aww. And she's really got it made because she gets to go to work every day with Brandon at the marina and just sit behind the desk and sleep most of the day in the AC and then comes back home with us and is just happy as a clam to be a little guard dog or our best security system. So Yeah, yeah. She really loves it, but especially in the winter, whenever it's cold and windy, that's just her her time to thrive. That's awesome. It, and speaking of winter, I mean, it looks like you you insulated the cabin well, and you've you've got 
uh, you've got good heat in there, but I would imagine that like being on the water, like makes the floor, makes the, makes the house. Yes. So great point. And we were thinking it was going to be rough. It doesn't get really bad on the floor until the water temperature gets really cold. The, so when we go into the first part of winter, our water is still in the seventies. And so it is cold outside and the floor is warm. But as we come out of winter, we, we actually put rugs down because the floor will get really cold. The house stays super mm-hmm. warm, holds mm-hmm. heat really well. But yeah, man, it's all about the water temperature. If you've got cool water, the floor yeah. is cold. And if you've got warm water, it's like a little sauna you're standing on. So pretty cool wow. little deal. We, we were wondering about that ourselves. We definitely have some good house slippers. <laughs> yeah, that's crucial for, for a tiny house. Uh, with cold floors, which many, many of the ones on wheels, the floors end up being pretty chilly because, you know, they're kind of yeah, just hanging sense. out above the ground. For sure. And it, it looks like um, you have a pretty nice uh, ski boat or a like a wake, a wake surf boat. Um, and you've gotten really into wake surfing. It looks really fun. We did. We actually just sold it. We dropped it off just yesterday. Oh. But we, oh, it's fine. We do it pretty much every year. Brandon's got a great relationship worked out with a dealer and we're able to kind of rotate through each year and uh, without, without really losing any money, we're able to just get a new boat each year and uh, resell it at the end of the season to somebody else and give them a good deal. So We're in a great spot on a surf boat because surf boats are very expensive. And because I am a marina operator, I go to all the boat shows, I deal with all the dealers, I buy a lot of rental boats. And we just ran into the right people and they were like, we want Mm -hmm. you to be an ambassador to our company. So every year we get a new surf boat at the beginning of the year and at the end of the season we sell it. And so it's a, it's always a trade. We don't really put a lot of money into the boat and it allows us to have something super nice and not actually be making the solid payments and own it. It's, it's probably the best deal ever. That's amazing. But that is, yeah, that is probably one of our biggest hobbies. And one of the main ways that we spend our time on the water is wake surfing. We do a little bit of wakeboarding and then just general, mm-hmm. you know, boating and hanging out. So I think for our our lifestyle and being on the water all the time, that was definitely a fun way for us to be able to splurge a little bit. And also it helps us, you know, get outside, explore the lake a little bit, be outside the tiny home when we want to be and and have a way to do that so yeah well that's awesome it it looks it looks super fun i'm i'm here on lake champlain i actually got really into kiteboarding because we get we get oh, really we're good jealous. winds oh, wow. yeah we so i want to do that i was looking at your lake it looks it looks like it's probably pretty gusty wind just with how narrow it is yes for sure yeah we would love to try that one day we always talk about that it's fun. It would save a lot on gas money. <laughs> yeah. Well, you can get um now we're like veering way off of tiny houses, but um you can you can get a like high doing a tow behind with a, a hydrofoil board yeah. is really fun. Yeah. Oh how um, fun. Yeah, we've been yeah. looking at those. Well, you and know, you, go, a, you can probably of... do that behind the dinghy. You don't need to go very yeah. fast for yeah. the foil. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, we always say like a lot of a lot of the reason that we live tiny is so that we're able to do a lot of our living outside of the house and also yeah. so that we can afford to do that. So 
you know, it's, it's fun to try out new hobbies like that and, and dream big because when you live tiny, a lot of times you have the means to do bigger, bigger things outside of your home. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, this has been so great. I, I was curious, are there any, um, resources like books or YouTube channels or, or really anything, um, that you can share with our listeners, um, who are maybe, maybe interested in, in this kind of lifestyle or things that helped you along the way, like finding or buying or, or renovating the house or anything like that? Well, obviously we, we have our own YouTube channel, of course, and we like to share lifestyle stuff, but also a lot of our renovation processes yep. and, and some of the biggest questions that we get asked a lot, some more in-depth nice. explanations to those. So that would be fun to check out. Um, we actually haven't found any other channels or Instagrams or anything like that of folks that have floating homes. We do follow a lot of people on sailboats and that have houseboats and things like that on YouTube mainly. But, mm. you know, it, it is kind of like a, a very small niche that we're in where it doesn't seem yeah. like we, we know a lot of other people that are doing yeah. something like that. So that's kind of fun, but cool. we would certainly be open to to finding more of that ourselves. <laughs> nice. Well, you can, you can write the book on it. <laughs> we're trying, I guess. Well, Sarah and Brandon, thank you so much for being guests on the show today. I, I'm just fascinated and, and really enjoying following your Instagram and, and your YouTube channel. So thanks for, thanks for coming on. Thank you so much for yeah, having us. This was really fun. Appreciate it. Thank you so much to Sarah and Brandon for being guests on the show today. You can find the show notes, including a complete transcript, a YouTube tour, and a couple other video links and photos of Sarah and Brandon's unique floating house at thetinyhouse.net slash 231. Again, that's thetinyhouse.net slash 231. Well, that is all for this week. I'm your host, Ethan Waldman, and I'll be back next week with another episode of the Tiny House Lifestyle Podcast.